0: I want to go to there? Skype! I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it.
1: Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who've just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes, yes. yes, 30 hellers agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's cunning plan, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful
0: tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, but hearts keep worse. Hello and welcome to the Teliverse Sound On Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, glad to be off the bus?
2: Uh, yes, I believe uh, various parts of this podcast have been recorded in three different provinces?
0: Yeah, something like that.
2: Yeah... <laughs>
0: You're so excited sounding.
2: <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> also, because of the nature of the of the editing process, you'll hear my enthusiasm levels and energy levels just go randomly up and down, and that's because some parts of this podcast were recorded days ago, and others recorded days later. It's like being in a really dull time machine.
0: You, and while we're giving you guys a peek behind the curtain, let me just apologize right now. There's some background music in our DVD shelf this, re- this week, uh, some... Some I think it's like guitar or something that was bleeding through the walls of where I was recording. I was not recording at the normal location either <laughs> this week, so I apologize for that. Hopefully it's not too distracting, but uh, but I think the the content of our DVD shelf with the fabulous Sarah Debunting Bunting from Tomato Nation and previously TV more than makes up for any audio uh, irregularities. Of course, we were talking Felicity this week, and I gotta say, in looking up you know pictures and and. And uh, episode lists and stuff. Felicity is underrepresented online. There's like, it, I had to really look to find a good picture for this post.
2: Yeah, I, th- we, we were discussing off mic the many reasons that that might be the case. I think it's a matter of demographics and timing mostly.
0: Now, obviously, we talked about this in our DVD shelf, uh, but I'm biased because of when I watched this series the first time. This seems like it's very similar to some of the CW shows, but just much better. Uh, what is your thought on this? How does this compare for you to any of the, you know, teen, angsty, romance, relationshipy kind of CW shows that get way much way more attention from, you know, the internet?
2: I don't know. I mean, I guess the only comparison points that exist right now are all genre shows that are secretly that thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the shows that are probably closer analogs would be like your Gossip Girls, your um, I'm thinking of right now. I think of
0: like a Heart of Dixie, but that's not that's not at school, you know. Yeah, Carrie Diaries, but that's high school.
2: Yeah, you're and you're listing shows that I have not and likely will never watch. So <laughs> I'm really this whole this whole shelf. I'm just totally out of my comfort zone, which uh, hopefully. Some of you will find amusing.
0: Well, just let us let us know. If you're listening out there and uh, you're a fan of that kind of show and and you've seen Felicity, let me know how you would compare them. And if you haven't, let me know why you haven't checked it out, because it's good and it's readily available. But that's coming at the end of the show. We also spoke with you guys about things that aren't Felicity. This week, we heard from Sean at the website, who says for the answer of the week, question being?
2: Uh, we were talking. I was just throwing out there what sort of 80s ephemera or stuff from your Relative childhood do you not see represented in this new wave of? nostalgia heavy series
0: and he says there really ought to be a whole tv series adaptation of of queens 88 album operation mind crime but more heavy metal references in general make me happy not just the big ones like metallica and iron maiden it was the most important decade for the genre including the beginning of death black and doom metal much of which would fit nicely in both comedic and dramatic sequences and uh, he says fair enough on rain and arrow there's a time and a place for typical cw fair and for many people those are never and nowhere Hold that thought till you get to the DVD shelf, Sean. Uh, Agreed on most of Simon's Vikings points, but I'm forcing myself to get into it because I like reading for all these first-time original series for networks. Plus, Ragnar Lothrock is even more fun to say than Dario Naharis. Really great podcast this week. I left an iTunes rating that will hopefully be approved, which isn't sarcastic in any way. And you... Yeah, because iTunes does like to eat uh, our listeners' ratings and reviews uh, from time to time. But it did make it through, Sean. Thank you very much. Sean gave us a five-star review on iTunes, and it's very much appreciated. Also spoke with uh, Genevieve about uh, Scarlett Johansson a bit, because we were talking about with Parade's End how we want to see them play bitchy sisters or something. But, of course, they have played friends in Vicky Cristina Barcelona.
2: That's uh, not good enough. They, they just If you really start to look at them, they do have like weirdly similar features.
0: Okay, so so you'll so that's something, but not close enough,
2: not good enough. Okay, but but they but I I had forgotten about that.
0: Uh, Mario says uh, he was wowed by the Hannibal fight scene, and that it was a real scene, and uh, that it's not a dream. And Fisher can fight, huh? Well, I mean, come on, he's Morpheus.
2: The Matrix, yeah. They, that was reading uh, Fuller's sort of postmortem. He was like, yeah, we need to get a way to get this in here, so. <laughs> That's, that's one of those nice bits of serendipity that they manage. Yeah. Series.
0: One person used to be a professional dancer and and fighter and one of them is Morpheus. You find a way to make them fight. Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh Carl wants to know, I watched the early part of Hannibal season 1, but I know how the season ends. Should I just start season 2 or am I miss- missing a lot of the story? Does he need to catch up with all season 1? Thoughts.
2: Uh I mean, this is going to sound weird, but I don't really think of Hannibal as a story series. It's really just more a series of beats, you know, a series of images, a series of just strange sensations. I mean, we all sort of know the the basic contours of the story anyway, unless they're going to radically change it, which from what I'm hearing from Fuller, they're not going to. So as far as I'm concerned, if you're enjoying yourself, you should just watch the whole thing.
0: Okay, yeah. I I can see wanting to get caught up to where the conversation is, uh, because there are about, uh, like, 10 of us watching Hannibal, but we're all talking about it on Twitter. So I understand if you want to get caught up to the series, but do, you know, Phil, I mean, if you like it, it, I would absolutely agree with what you're saying. Beth wants to know, hey, have you checked out the Canadian series Bomb Girls? It's about women working in a bomb making factory during World War II, and it's on Netflix. I had not, but you had.
2: Yeah, I've seen an episode, which maybe isn't the fairest way to assess the show, because I briefly considered sort of doing a quick segment on sort of contemporary Canadian series that I watched one week, but then I saw a few and wasn't really impressed with any of them. Of the ones I saw, Bomb Girls was probably the best, just out of the insane novelty of the premise, which is, you know, just in terms of the period and the characters we're looking at is there's nothing like that around on tv so it gets instant brownie points for that but i just found the writing really leaden and really obvious in all the usual sort of corny canadian tv ways i'm sorry to say uh and it just kind of sunk the rest of it for me It wasn't totally unlike my experience with vikings actually which is also a, at least a canadian co-production so i i wouldn't mind checking back in with it at some point to see if that's not the case, but I was quite disappointed in it, actually.
0: Well, and uh, when we talk about Canadian productions, don't forget we're about a month away from Orphan Black Season 2. And apparently there's a trailer, and apparently it's awesome. I haven't seen it yet, but there there are Canadian shows that we are rather fond of. They just aren't on the air right now. Uh, also talked with Keith a little bit about Grimm and Woo. I'll talk more about Grimm later in the podcast. We talked Twilight Zone, True Detective, Walking Dead, Hannibal this week with many of you, as well as specifically with Beth, Catherine, Kristen, Eric, and Kyle, some Felicity. Uh, thank you guys for your input there. Uh, but it's you, there's a lot of shows to talk about this week. The Olympics are over and we're in high gear So let's take a break and come back With our week in reality and comedy Thank you for being a friend week in reality we have the amazing race welcome to the jungle and cosmos a space-time odyssey uh i'll start quickly with the amazing race because you still are not caught up uh I, are you gonna even try at this point are you gonna jump back in or are you gonna sit this cycle out
2: it's gonna depend i think on what happens this week sundays as you know are insane right now
0: mm-hmm.
2: so w- we'll see especially with the rearrival of the good wife
0: yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that—that's the one night a week that is just the most insane uh, for me personally. I am enjoying the amazing race. That's a fun one for me every uh, the next day when I uh, have a long run or something that I will try to to, to watch. Uh, I'm not doing too hot in the pool. I'm seventh out of twelve, but you know, hey, that's that's not as bad as last. Last season, when it was and I was terrible, uh, but Bob is currently in the win in, in the lead with 23 points, I've got 13, and Mario, our uh, one of our former winners, is currently in last place. I look forward to seeing what happens, uh, when some of these other teams get eliminated uh dan who of course won last week he had to pick an, a new team this this week and uh, there's a couple others as well but it, it's been fun you know following along with the pool i know you're very excited i told you already who got eliminated this week uh who are you going to be rooting against at this point
2: i don't know who do you think there is left to root against because i mean if the youtubers are out that's i mean i just feel like an angel got its wings you know <laughs>
0: Yes, but you know what? I gotta I gotta give it to the YouTubers. I enjoyed their uh their itiveness I enjoyed uh the comment the commentary about the country singers, uh, sweet talking their way into a uh a express pass, even if it was a legitimate decision by the Cowboys. If it did make strategic sense, I, I feel I feel like you could take your ire to the country girls or to um I don't know maybe Jessica and John.
2: I don't even remember who they are.
0: <laughs> they were the ones who didn't use the express pass and got eliminated last time they were on.
2: And they're yeah. back? What? <laughs> uh, yeah, they can go.
0: I, I've been enjoying this season of The Amazing Race, and uh, hopefully you will be able to catch up at some point so we can have a little bit more discussion of it. But it is still going. Jess, you still need to pick an, an overall winner. For The Amazing Race, if you're listening, your, your pool, you've been making picks each week, but not actually choosing your winner. So you might want to get on that. But if you would like to get in on The Amazing Race pool, it is not too late. Send me an email, at Uh To round out reality, I talked about the premiere of Cosmos last week. You got to see it this week. What did you think?
2: I just love the fact that I didn't see Barack Obama's introduction. But uh, I just love that this is apparently airing on Fox in primetime. At least this week, it seems like it's going to keep doing that. Uh, it's also on the National Geographic channel, which makes more conventional sense. It doesn't appear cheap at all, although probably it's still cheaper than you know most scripted TV. Uh, it's totally unlike anything else that's kicking around in primetime on basically any major network. Uh, I mean... Am I totally fond of all the graphic decisions and the bending over backwards to make Neil deGrasse Tyson appear as, like, 1995 cool as possible? Not necessarily.
0: (laughs) Popped collar and everything.
2: Yeah, but, and just, like, you know, the, the, this is, like, a really stupid criticism, but, like, you know, the concepts are inherently awesome. You don't need to, like, try and make it seem hip in this really backwards kind of way. I don't need all that, but other than that, I think it's it's uh, it's a really great idea. Uh, I've never seen any of the original of of Sagan's original Cosmos series, which I've which I've heard is amazing. It's a, another great shelf idea, by the way. Someone,
0: someone, uh, <laughs> but
2: and I and I do know I read some people who know and love the original series were kind of griping about some things here and there, but you know that people were going to do that anyway. Uh, I mean, hats off, slow clap to all concerned, including Seth MacFarlane. Congratulations, you did something worthwhile. You. <laughs> I, your, your prize is that I don't finish that sentence.
0: Well, on that cheery note, uh, for you, I would imagine Cosmos wins the week in reality because it's, you know, by default. Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll give it to Cosmos as well, uh, even though I, I watched it last week, I, and I am really enjoying The Amazing Race, just... You know, it, it just makes my inner nerd and, and outer nerd just very happy that there's this kind of programming on, like you said. So so well done, Cosmos. Uh, let's move on to comedies. We're going to just do a quick animation roundup here before talking a little bit more about girls and looking. So that this week is going to be Bob's Burgers, The Frond Files, Archer, Vice, Smuggler's Blues, Rick and Morty, Raising Azorbazorb, and Adventure Time, Lemon Hope, Parts 1 and 2. Of these different episodes, what stands out to you?
1: Uh,
2: well, I mean, this is the first, as, as far as I know, it's the first ever Adventure Time two-parter. It's not the finale. Apparently there's one more episode. Uh, this is not what I would have expected for an Adventure Time two-parter this late in the season, uh, especially uh, given that you, you'd, you'd expect something sort of more Finn and Jake heavy, where Finn barely even appears in this episode and there's no Jake. So I'll be curious to see if they end up shifting the focus back in the finale. but. I love that Adventure Time is secretly, or maybe not so secretly, one of the most morally ambiguous shows ever. Like I don't know about ever, but at least right now. And not in like a dark anti-hero kind of way, just in terms of the way the show doesn't seem to judge Lemon Hope for his various... I mean, at first it seems to, like when he goes out on his quest and, and ignore... or rather non-quest and decides to enjoy freedom and forget his destiny... And then he fulfills it, but then yeah, he just decides to keep living his life anyway. And the show doesn't seem to think he's a bad guy for it or at least thinks it's it's a reasonable way to handle your life. And then the juxtaposition with with uh, Princess Bubblegum's song was actually quite lovely. I don't know. I just I, I love the idea of them toying with this more languorous pace uh, and not necessarily going for a laugh every 15 seconds. Although they're good at that as well.
0: No, it was great. It was really good. And like you said, I I actually appreciated that it wasn't Finn and Jake Heavy. It was just sort of like this standalone thing, uh, which they're so great at at Adventure Time. And it was also creepy, really creepy when it was Oh, the whole to be. opening.
2: <laughs> the whole opening is so creepy.
0: Incred- and the different dream sequences are disturbing. And especially I'm thinking of, you know... 10 year olds watching this and younger mm-hmm. and I mean that there's some imagery in here in the dreams just the sense of powerlessness and everything it was really effective and I like that there weren't necessarily answers to everything I love that he came back to save his people so that he could stop feeling guilty and then right. he could just go off and go back adventuring because he didn't feel you know just the peace at the I end mean, mm-hmm. was, it was really great uh, and I think it was a smart move to have to have Finn and Jake basically not in it. And like you said, the show doesn't judge him. Princess Bubblegum is judgmental towards him at the beginning, but I feel like the show isn't necessarily. And um, I kept waiting to find out that Princess Bubble- Bubblegum was behind Flannel Boxing Day and like all of that, and she had been like constructing this scenario to teach him a lesson. And I was really glad that that didn't turn out to necessarily be the case. Um, so so no, I I, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it was great. And also, another sort of moral ambiguity thing, Flannel Boxing Day was kind of really weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just kind of straight up murdering stuff. Yeah, and so money. cheerful
0: about, you know, oh, he's happy. We can lure him into following us and then kill him and take his money.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty out there. Anyway, adventure time, great as always. Well, and so next up on a thing that I know we're not going to agree on, uh, I thought that Rick and Morty had actually gotten a lot better since the pilot, and I even went back and rewatched some interim episodes. This week we had Raising Gazorpazorp, and then immediately upon starting to watch it, I was like, "Oh, this was so the wrong episode to come back with." But <laughs> and apparently I was right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was uh, it was really interesting because I had been looking forward to after hearing your reaction to you know the different. Changes that they had made, apparently, since we watched the pilot, you know, the episodes moving forward. And even just hearing that apparently Dan Harmon is in talks to make an animated revival of... uh... Heat Vision and Jack. Heat Vision
2: and Jack, yes.
0: Yeah, which is such a delightful, not produced pilot out there. If anybody had a chance to watch it, it's just insane, and I kind of love it. So you know, there's there. I I was all primed to, enjoy, to be psyched about Rick and Morty, and then I I messaged you when I was you know t- maybe four five minutes into this episode, going, it feels like this episode was specifically designed to aggravate me. Uh, and so we have the, a lot of the vocal tics that I hadn't noticed as much, hadn't bothered me as much in the pilot as they did you. I want to know, I'm curious to hear from you since you've watched more of it than I have, if this is, uh, if this is normal for them or if this is more aggravated than it was, um, in the other episodes you watched after the pilot. Also, if you spend an entire episode with, uh, really frustrating gender stereotyping and, uh, just really obnoxious sexism even if the characters aren't right or you're not supposed to think they're right if you spend an entire you know 20 minute episode being offensive and annoying and not funny two minutes at the end isn't enough to undo that for me so no i liked everything with the alien and the kid and, and uh rick i thought that was actually all really great but everything off planet did not work for me
2: okay a few things um the I don't feel like it's consistent in terms of the uh, – first of all, the vocal tics. They were definitely way back up this week because they were trying to make a, a dumb Point. gag throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was that I didn't care for uh, at okay. all. And there's a similar thing on Bob's this week I didn't care for either. It was a bad week for potty humor. Anyway, um, I don't feel like it was consistently just 20 minutes of awful at the end and then two minutes of sort of trying to reconcile. I feel like throughout there are, first of all – there is this meta commentary of uh, of speculative slash genre fiction is terrible with female characters, mm-hmm. specifically pointed at Doctor Who, actually, as I'm sure you noticed. Uh, so, uh, is, I mean, the line about why will I be worse at going through a hole if I don't have a wiener? Um, so, I mean, I, and I haven't watched enough Doctor Who to comment on that at all, but I thought you might appreciate that apparently you didn't. Um
0: How was a Doctor Who reference? The
2: mention of a companion combined with all the portal hopping, et cetera, made the Doctor Who feel strong.
0: Oh, yeah, not for me at all, because first of all, most of the companions are women and they most are in Doctor Who's history. So they're not, you know, Doctor very rarely travels with men in in the modern series, occasionally in the classic series. But also the women tend to be very competent and embraced and supported. So that's why I didn't get a Doctor Who feel at all.
2: So you haven't had any issues with recent Doctor Who female characters? I,
0: I I, have, but if you're looking at all of Doctor Who, I mean, the the, the issue in Doctor Who is not that the character is uh, is incompetent or the Doctor doesn't want to travel with a woman. It's that the writer is, has some issues, but, you know, whatever. Fair enough.
2: Anyway, I, I, I should have known better than to bring up Doctor Who. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. I was willing to accept that it was more of a meta-commentary on writers and their issues with trying to portray women in the in the realm of genre fiction. We even had the resolution of the episode revolved around uh the the alien having to channel it into writing because his 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 male urges are only towards destruction. Uh and he doesn't seem to be able to process anything else. Uh it's simplistic but it fits with the theme of the episode. Um I can and also there's jabs throughout about you know, this is you know, like it or not, in the midst of this episode, this is the only time in the last six months I've heard the wage gap mentioned. <laughs> so I don't know. I, th- I I don't think you're giving the show quite enough credit, and this feels weird because I hate Community. <laughs> so I I'm I'm in a really tough spot here.
0: Well, and uh, yes, they mentioned the wage gap. That that's great, and and I do think that the daughter character is supposed to be our our in. But she spends most of her time not actually doing very much or being particularly helpful or useful. And so, if you want, if the if she's supposed to be our audience surrogate, if we're supposed to be rooting for her in the her and uh, Grandpa dynamic, I need her to be doing more or be more interesting. It just I wasn't laughing. And uh, well, and
2: that's also nothing. There's very little I can do about that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, And also. Yes, there is a, a trend in in speculative fiction to maybe not uh, be particularly great at female characters, but there's also a really strong tradition of amazing female characters in speculative fiction. So I think, like the speculative, fi- like I love sci-fi and uh, and uh, and genre fiction, and uh, not just TV shows, but movies and books, and a lot of my favorite characters of all time. Are women in those? So, like, I guess I don't immediately go to, oh, it's sci-fi. The women are going to be crap. I go go more to, oh, it's sci-fi. The women are more likely to be badasses. So maybe that's the difference in my approach.
2: Maybe. Um. Anyway, I, I, th- I don't think you should give up on the show yet.
0: That was the other thing I wanted to ask you. Is this indicative, or should I be? Why? Wa- because as soon as it starts, like, I don't think this is the best episode for me to be judging this show.
2: Well, this is certainly the only episode that's that's focused on sort of gender jokes at all, really. Mostly, it's been a lot of like strange coming of age stuff uh which they t- totally went off the cliff with this week, and I sort of appreciated that um yeah, just a diff and even like weird attempts at pathos, which actually generally have been working and wasn't really attempted at all this week mm-hmm. uh unless you count the stinger, which I don't think you should. So yeah, I I think it's worth even I would say maybe try one or two of the episodes uh, that literally just aired before this one, like uh, Rick Potion Number Nine, or uh, especially uh, Mr. Meeseeks. If you don't actually, frankly, if you don't find the Mr. Meeseeks episode funny, you will probably never enjoy the show because that's sort of to me just inherently hilarious.
0: Okay, I I will check those ones out and. uh... Yeah, I just thought it was hilarious that this is the one that I happened to tune back in for and it just it was and not... and I
2: just like I was like as much as I'm trying to defend it I was just like oh head on head on forehead hand on forehead this is not going to work.
0: Yeah, yep, yep. But uh, what about any thoughts on Bobs and Archer this week?
2: Um I thought the uh book ending segments of of Bobs were pretty decent, but I really 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 didn't like the fart school segment. I just I almost couldn't watch it. I it was it was a bridge too far.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed the X-Files elements and to the first one. And you have, obviously, you have your Jurassic Park, you have your Terminator and T2. I mean, it was basically just this giant string of homage- homages. Um, it was fun, but uh, not nearly as memorable as the anthologies of interest from Futurama that it was sort of reminding me of. Um, as for, uh, as for Tina's segment, uh, that was less memorable. I liked the animation though. I thought the black and white was really nice. So there were some touches there that I enjoyed, but uh, Archer, I thought was a step back in the right direction and much more entertaining than it has been in recent weeks. And, uh, yeah, I do, I do like when they, uh, occasionally let Mallory actually be concerned about her son.
2: Yeah. And let Archer be competent. Although what he's being competent at at this point is anyone's. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, i also i also love his like weirdly sincere rant about american misadventures in latin america mm-hmm. it's like whoa that was that was a bit of a truth bomb in the middle of an otherwise completely silly series so well done
0: yep uh before we move on to girls and looking i do want to mention that i watched the the premiere or pilot i should say of review on comedy central and had quite a bit of fun with it uh did you check this out
2: i did um, I think that it's apparently it's a remake of an Australian series, which I've never seen. Uh, I, as far as I know, this is the first attempt to give Andrew Daly a starring vehicle, which I'm amazed it's taken this long because he rules. And I think it's, it's a really ideal vehicle for him because it lets him be sort of attempting to be straight-laced and also be totally wacky sometimes within the same scene. I wasn't, like, busting a gut at this premiere, but... I like the idea that there's a show within the show, as well as from what I can tell uh, and from what I've read, sort of more serialized elements with his wife. Uh, And I think that's a really sort of novel premise. And I love that they just go balls out in this opening, just doing anything for a laugh, anything and everything rather. And if they're willing to go that far this quickly, it's usually a good sign.
0: Yeah, I enjoy the the setup of it. I enjoy the just the world that they've established, and like you said, Andrew Daly is a lot of fun, and so this does seem perfectly suited to to him. So that's one where, yeah, like you said, I might not have been just you know exploding with laughter, but I was really enjoying my time with it. So I thought that was that was that was quite a bit of fun. Uh, from one depiction of uh, what is it, a half a star for for addiction. Yes. On, on review, because, of course, they review different elements of life this week. They reviewed uh, stealing, addiction, and prom. Uh, so there was quite a bit of cocaine on review this week. There's also a bit of cocaine on girls. The episode is uh, role play. What did you think of this week's episode?
2: This didn't exactly break the girls' goodness streak, but it didn't feel like it was quite as good as the last I don't know. Four episodes, they've just been on an, on a crazy roll, and this was a bit of a downtick. It leaned really, really heavily on uh, Hannah's wacky sexual antics, which you know that's always good for a uh, a chuckle here and there. But I felt like the episode needed a little bit more meat on its bones. Uh, I also not terribly interested in the Jessa stuff, although I did I did appreciate the scenes with Richardie Grant and his daughter, who I vaguely recognize but couldn't place exactly. I assume he's gone now. Anyway, um, and I don't need to deal with whatever it is is going on with Marty and that guy. I, I almost couldn't <laughs> watch those scenes. They were so painful.
0: Yeah, they were exactly what they were supposed to be, what they were intended to be, I should say, and they were very effective. Uh, it sounds like the Justice scenes worked a lot more for me than they did for you. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I like that it lets Shoshana be very effective and... You know, positive and the the useful one of the group this week and as for as for Hannah I like that while they have Adam spell out you know the his progression in their relationship which is should be so obvious but they they, they I like that they spell that up but they don't spell out that Hannah is clearly messed up about her grandma dying and then mm-hmm. they let that remain subtextual because she was absolutely a okay 100 fine with adam like the week before and then her grandma dies and all of a sudden she's acting out and she's worried about losing him and all of this stuff as well so i like that that remained uh that that was there for for us to think about and i assume it'll be addressed a bit more at the end of the season here
2: yeah it was nice the way hbo included your grandma died in the previously on and that it wasn't actually referenced in the episode yeah uh, which i think totally supports your thought there
0: anything else uh on, on girls this week or shall we move on to the looking finale let's do that okay our last comedy of the week is the finale of looking looking glass and of course last week we also had looking for a plus one we didn't really talk about that episode uh since last week's uh, podcast was so full but we're going to talk a little bit about it here simon how did this finale work for you how does the whole season kind of shape up and are you excited that there's season two on the horizon
2: Am I the only one who's annoyed that they messed with their title formatting a little bit? The other ones are all looking for something, and this one's looking glass. I don't know. It just, it just irks me for some reason. Um, anyway, uh, I thought it was a strong finale. I'm surprised that they didn't just tie off the Scott Bakula thing, since I'll be surprised if he's able to do the second season a whole lot, but I know I've been wrong about these things before, uh, considering he's going to be on CSI side or whatever the hell it's going to be called. Um, But other than that, uh, I was so glad we got the Real Talk segment with Augustine, because that was four or five episodes overdue.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not very, I mean, I enjoyed the Augustine character at first, and it's very possible that they will make me like him again. But of the two of them, I so wish that we were following Frank on what he's doing next.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they they did mention that when they announced the renewal, they announced that several actors were being added as regulars next season. I forget whether the guy playing Frank was one of them or not.
0: I want to say no, but I could be wrong about that because I know Russell Tovey is on, and also the actor who plays Richie, who I was new to me in this show, was added on as a regular, and Bacula was not. So I yeah, I can't remember off the top of my there. head. Yeah, who the third was? Maybe it was Frank, but I I, I also loved that just just straight up truth bomb <laughs> that was and and obviously some of that is is him being very correctly hurt and um, just disgusted and most of it is true. I don't know how much of it is true, but most of it really is. And I particularly loved uh, that sense of honesty with himself for, that we got mm-hmm. from Frank.
2: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily the most the best or most revelatory episode. I will say that. I heard in advance, oh, amazing and creditless music, and I started to figure out very soon what that was going to be, and it was delightful.
0: Oh, it was so wonderful. I was, I just, had, I mean, of course, it helps that we so recently did do our DVD shelf of The Golden Girls, but I enjoyed how long they they held with the dialogue, with us watching him watch. Uh, so that was a nice little extra touch, but no, I was it was so wonderful to have you know. Thank you for being for those who didn't watch. Thank you for being a friend. The cover that was used as the Golden Girls theme was the music at the end uh, of the of the season. It was such a lovely you know callback to the, the to the pilot, and uh, yeah, I was very happy about that. What about the the uh, the Russell Toby? I can't remember the Kevin. What about the Patrick Kevin hookup? Are you glad that they're introducing a love triangle element? Uh, no, <laughs> is that I don't <laughs> think.
2: That, is that other parts of the podcast may alert you to the fact that I don't think that's ever a good idea.
1: <laughs>
2: but um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to keep Toby around. I think he's been quite uh, quite lovely and charming in the role. And the fact that they've gotten renewed is surprising to me because HBO has been quite cancellation friendly lately uh, and no one watches this, but <laughs> I guess they're willing to give it a shot and it may not be, it doesn't seem like it's terribly expensive to make, so why not?
0: And now how familiar are you with Sex and the City?
2: Uh, not very. I've seen maybe five episodes.
0: Because I've And I felt kind of like a bad uh, TV critic watching this and immediately going to a... A Carrie Aiden Bigs, you know, dynamic in my brain with mm-hmm. with uh, Patrick and uh, and Richie and Kevin. But that's you know because we try to not do that when we talk about girls specifically and and looking. But that's where I end up with this. I'm curious if other listeners have any thoughts about that. I'm kind of glad it's out of the way. I was watching that that scene. I like that they have Patrick try to stop Richie. You can tell that he wants to tell him or, or to, to you know to, to interrupt that because he knows what's, he has an idea what's coming uh, I'm not looking forward to that being a recurring element of when Richie finds out he's gonna be really upset and I'm not looking yeah. forward to that element but I am looking forward to i I like that they kind of make Patrick not so much of a crazy person for being you know kind of flirty stocky <laughs> of his boss earlier in the season I like there's some element that like there's a sense that this was coming from somewhere
1: mm-hmm
2: Yeah, that it's not badly acted or written. It's just you're right. There are these beats that we know are coming that are are part of every like, and there's no way they're not coming unless someone dies. It's just yeah. Can we do something else, please?
0: Yeah. Any other thoughts on this finale? Or Dom? We haven't really talked about him very much. Uh, Oh, the other. You know, I remember the third one is Doris.
2: Yes, her scenes were great.
0: Yeah, she's going to be a regular next season, so hopefully she'll get more to do, uh, which right. also tells me that I don't think Frank is back. So yeah, so any other thoughts on the on the restaurant, Perry Perry? Do you think this was all just a way to to get him to a place where he's emotionally interested uh, in in Scott Bakula and in an older man?
2: I mean i th- I mean my ultimate takeaway from that is I was mostly happy about Doris getting a little bit more screen time, and mm-hmm. in conjunction with hearing that she was a regular next season, I think that's one of the most promising developments. Um, I mean. I think it's pretty clear that Dom's the most likable of the main trio of dudes. So giving him, a, giving him actually positive scenes was I think the correct move for a finale that was mostly full of just, Oh, don't do that.
0: <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, I, I know this is not something, uh season two is not something we either, that either one of us particularly expected. So I'm sure it's something we'll look forward to being able to talk about next year. But for now, what wins your week in comedy?
2: Uh, even though it barely counts as comedy this week, I'll give it Adventure Time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I had more fun with Adventure Time, uh, but I think I got to give it to uh, Looking just because it's the finale, and I did really love the use of "Thank You for Being a Friend," like we just said. Uh, so, what was it a better episode than Adventure Time? No. Adventure Time was better but i i have a place in my heart for this for this show so i'm looking so i'm looking forward to season two and uh this is my last yeah, opportunity
2: you, you're looking for uh, season two uh, uh,
0: i wish that had been intentional because that was terrible it was not okay on that slightly uh take of a note let's take a break and come back with our week in genre <laughs> In genre we have the pilot for Resurrection which is called The Returned so it's nice and confusing uh, we have a little bit of a check-in with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Grandma my Dearest and Hannibal Sakizuki uh, also I'll mention that the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast should already be up in your feed about Alone and I enjoyed this one uh, a bit more than, than Ricky and our guests, Alex. Uh, you can listen to our full thoughts with that podcast. You can also find the of Say Hannibal podcast with myself and Sean Coletti up in your Televerse feed. What did you think of Resurrection?
2: I, I don't know. I'm not sure about this one. I, uh, On one hand, I, th- I think it's an interesting take on extremely crazily similar material to uh like i just the number of parallels are just silly uh the fact that it appears to be more or less a coincidence is hilarious um but i'm really not convinced i mean it's hard to judge because there are as almost always very piloty bits of dialogue like i've been a priest for 10 years etc this is like a huge cringe every time but what has me more concerned is that the non Kurtwood Smith, Francis Fisher, Omar Epps characters all strike me as incredibly bland and uninteresting. And I'm I just maybe that'll change and maybe that'll maybe it'll get out of that, but that's a really difficult thing to surmount because you're talking about three quarters of the cast.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I think I, I look forward to if you watch the second episode, then we'll have seen the same amount, so we can talk a little bit more. About what's coming then, but uh, there are some moves that happen in both in this pr- this pilot and the second episode that I appreciate that are very different than uh, Les Revenants. and uh, so there's different priorities obviously with the two shows. They're you know <laughs> one is very much a French show and one is very much an American network TV show. Um, you know, for better and for worse, but uh, but you know, and I have this affinity for some of these actors. Uh, I enjoy the the ridiculously attractive doctor character because that actress, of course, was on Chicago Code and I enjoyed her there. So there's there's some different you know other f- f- familiarities and f- affinities that I have for some of these actors that may be helping with my approach and my my take on it, my my positive uh, take on, on the episodes. But uh, but yeah, I, I can't really argue with that. I think obviously the the high point is Kerwood Smith and Francis Fisher and the kid and you know Omar Ops I think worked pretty well too. But you know that's clearly the center of the show.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: and it's sad when you see Kerwood Smith and Francis Fisher, you realize, man, it's insanely rare to have two central characters who are over 60. Mm-hmm. And like, it really shouldn't be because there's so many great actors who aren't getting work because of their age. And But I mean, I'm always happy to see Kerwood Smith. That guy's got an insanely awesome and varied CV.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, you're, are you going to team it for episode two?
2: <sighs> we'll see how I feel. I'm. I. I, I want to... I would really like it to be great, but uh, I've also heard that from what I, it, it, it at some point develops into some kind of, of procedural, which I have no idea how that would happen, but anyway. Uh yeah.
0: me neither. <laughs> yeah,
2: there you go. You've seen another episode and you don't know either, and maybe I've been misinformed, but yeah, I just, I would really, if it manages to get more memorable and less clumsy, it, I could see it developing into something good.
0: Okay, well, we'll wait and see on that one. I figured I should check in briefly with Agents of Shield, seeing as it uh, I am still watching it. <laughs> it's one that I caught up with during the Olympics break, and I do think it's getting better. It's still not great, but it's definitely getting better, so good on them. They seem to have identified some of the the weak points and some of the the strengths and are moving in the correct direction. so I'm happy about that and I like the introduction introduction of uh Deathlock. I like that they're bringing J. August Richards into a more important uh recurring role. I think that's a very smart move. uh We'll see when we next see him and uh there's some other elements that you know again I think are are good moves, both incorporating more comic book elements and also allowing the the characters to feel more intrinsically tied to each other. So whether the big Sif storyline really works will, you know, have to remain to be seen. But for now it's moving in the right direction. Next up is Grimm and Mommy Dearest, which both saw Adeline give birth, but mostly was about uh, Woo. He got a first name, Drew Woo, because apparently Lou Wu was taken. They wanted him to be Lou, but is a recurring gag on set apparently. Um, but they it, it did such a really good job of fleshing out the character, and uh, I think Reggie Lee has been an asset to the show for a long time, so he's, he's more than ready. For this episode to get the spotlight, uh, they they handled that very well. I I really like the the writing for the character as well as the performance. The monster was creepy. You did not watch this one, yes? Uh, no. There's there's a vessel that that leaps in your window if you're pregnant and has a creepy long tongue that it stabs into your belly to suck out the amniotic fluid and then eat the baby. Huh. Creepy, right?
2: Yeah, that's creepy. I'll give it to them. That's creepy.
0: Yeah, and it's based on a a Filipino uh, folklore, and and so it comes. It's sort of like a combination werewolf vampire thing. Uh, So very creepy. Well done, Grim. There, a lot of these shows, and I talk about this in my review at Sound On Sight. I feel like every genre show, when they've been around for uh, a solid, you know, three four seasons, they finally give one of their bit characters an episode focused just around them. So we got that on Buffy. We got that in X-Files. We got all these different genre shows, you know, gives the character who gets two lines an episode, finally by season three, something interesting to do. They don't always work though. And uh, a lot of that comes down to the performer, if they have the range and if the writers have a good enough handle on the character here, I think it works because I think the actor has the range and I think the writers know the character well enough and respect the character well enough to do it well. So I enjoyed it. Uh, That's one that you know, if you were killing time, I would say check it out. But I know that you are very busy at the moment and it's not quite that next level of really great that I think you need to. Right. But it, it's definitely solid. Our final genre show this week is Hannibal Sakizuki. Of course the Sound on Sight Hannibal podcast with myself and Sean Coletti. This is Our Design is already up in your feed, your, your Televerse iTunes feed or if you don't subscribe to us on iTunes, you can of course find that at Sound on Sight. Uh, shock and surprise, if you haven't listened to that yet I still really like Hannibal. Uh, I'm going to try to, you know, avoid gushing more and let you get, you know, your thoughts in here. What did you think of episode 2?
2: Oh my god, that cold open. Oh oh, 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 oh. oh. That's almost my only thought about this episode. Uh, oh. I mean, yeah, uh, I almost couldn't get It was basically restaging the Human Centipede on network television and not bothering to change the content. Uh, with some you know obvious superficial differences, but the actual gore levels about the same if anything just more realistic because they've got a decent budget. Oh,
0: this is confirming I, I never need to see that movie
2: is is there an image that they presented to NBC and said no to? Is there a, a, do they have a violence limit? is there I mean I, I mean it, it's such a bizarre series I mean it, <laughs> they do have it a put, limit
0: and its nipples.
2: Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can have, you know, 50 naked people arranged in in the center of a of a, a retinal display stitched together and coated with resin oh, and then ripping each other apart uh, when they wake up. But we can't have nipples.
0: Exactly. So, America.
2: Oh, man. Anyway, and nobody can swear. But anyway, um yeah, so that was Easily the most memorable part of the episode I liked it a little bit better than the uh, premiere If only because it seemed like there was a little bit less Portentous people sitting around We actually had stuff happening like uh, Will Graham sort of trying st- st- Starting to manipulate the people around him To his own ends uh, Sort of doing a Hannibal himself Which was great The actual scene between Hannibal and the guy Was appropriately really 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 creepy And I love the translucent uh, suit That he mm-hmm. was wearing
0: Yeah, you got to be Uh, able to see that wardrobe.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, what's the point? Mm
0: -hmm. What did you Uh, think of Jillian Anderson?
2: Yes, I'm assuming we're going to be not seeing her for a while. She's on two other series. (laughs) So um, I've been reading the weekly postmortems with uh, Brian Fuller over at the EV Club, and it did not surprise me to read that this is, you know, sort of the, the second half of a movie essentially like these first two episodes are sort of an opening film and then in a couple of episodes things are really going to kick into high gear and we're actually going to think to ourselves wow this sure kicked into high gear
0: <laughs> so I'm,
2: I'm wondering how quickly we're going to get to that 12 weeks later segment but uh it also seems like we're getting courtroom drama next week which could be great or boring and i can't decide which
0: it's but, gonna be great uh,
2: you think it's gonna be great I think there it's we be go great. yeah Uh, I hope we get antlers in the jury box. But anyway, Uh, yeah, I have have very few complaints. It was thoroughly unsettling on every level.
0: Okay. Well, then what wins your week in genre?
2: It obviously goes to Hannibal.
0: (laughs) And uh, for me as well. Uh, But I did honorable mention to Grimm. They really, you know, an overdue episode that, you know, I just said, I did very much enjoy. And uh, we'll see what happens, you know with some of these other series, but definitely Hannibal. Now we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama. The that we confess in the- In drama, we have The Red Road, The Wolf and the Dog, Parenthood, The Enchanting Mr. Knight, Justified, Whistle Past the Graveyard, The Americans, Cardinal, The Good Wife, Parallel Construction, Bitches. I feel like you have to say it that way.
2: You do have to say it like that.
0: And the True Detective finale, Form and Void. Before we get into these episodes, however, Crisis will be starting up on Sunday. That's right, another Sunday show. This one features uh, a passel of teenagers, uh, high school students at a, a very expensive private school getting kidnapped. They are the children of the most powerful and connected parents in in DC and including the president's son, including uh a, the daughter of a just like bajillionaire uh, played by Jillian Anderson and uh and there's you know, conspiracy at work. It's very similar in just its immediate uh like log line to some other episodes we, or some other series we saw this this season, I think that the cast is, for the most part, very good. And I I like the setup. I think it's handled well. I've seen two episodes, the first and second episode. And it's not the most consistent show just throughout the entire episode. But there's enough going on. And I was very pleased by some of the developments in the second episode that I do think it's interesting. And while I would like more, you know, like when you have Gillian Anderson next to some of these other characters you know other performers you know she she doesn't feel like she's necessarily among peers the way that she does on Hannibal um and so and so there, there are some you know less than stellar moments in in these pilot or less uh, some uneven moments I guess I'll I'll say in in the pilot and in the second episode so if if they can figure out where all their strengths lie and steer into that I think they will be in a good position and I think the setup the premise is an interesting one and uh, one that fits better, you know, than as opposed to a doctor has been kidnapped and her family is being held hostage so that she'll kill the president. I like better the group of kids have been held hostage, including the president's son and who knows what the the objectives are. So, you know, it's similar to hostages, but this one's more interesting.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Honestly, despite the presence of Julian Anderson, I'm really unexcited by this.
0: I was going to ask, are you going to try to make time or no? Because Sundays are, Sundays are too busy.
2: Yeah, uh, I'll, we'll see how it how it pans out. Sundays are insane. And if I, but you know, Chilean Anderson, ah, we'll see.
0: She has a minor role, I will say that. She's, she's, uh, she's you know she's not featured prominently enough in their advertising as far as i'm concerned but uh but she she's not one of the main characters she's a significant supporting character i guess i would say and uh so i would understand if you don't you know necessarily decide to stick on also i think from what i'm hearing i've not heard a lot of talk about this this show yet i think i'm among the more positive of the reactions that i've heard so maybe it's just me but well, you're also
2: one of the more positive reactions to Resurrections. I don't know what's going true. on with you.
0: I don't... Add, this is very strange. But let's move on to our rather full week in drama. And uh, first up is The Red Road, The Wolf and the Dog. Episode 2, I'm reviewing The Red Road at Sound on site, so you can find my full review up there. You haven't had a chance to, to catch up with this one. I will say that they make some interesting choices in Episode 2. I expected them to dial back the Julianne Nicholson characters craziness or extreme behavior and no they they double down <laughs> they kick it up a notch and uh, she's hearing voices and she's um she seems to have some level of perhaps a split personality or just there's something very wrong and that that was an interesting choice i think they make the the martin henderson character substantially more interesting. They make him more active and that's a very smart choice. Uh, Momoa continues to be the most charismatic uh, and enigmatic of the characters and he's he's balancing that well. It's really easy for a character like that to just be of an, an enigma wrapped in a mystery wrapped in a conundrum wrapped in and as soon as we start answering anything he's not interesting and so they're doing actually a good job of balancing that I feel like we're getting a sense of the character um, there's some nice little touches with him this week that I think work and so if you do get a chance to catch up with uh, some uh, red road either this week or down the line I look forward to your thoughts on that but I do think that Philip character has a lot of potential to be one of the the breakthrough characters of the year But that could easily... I could be eating some crow on that in two weeks. We'll see. But for right now, I'm enjoying that. Um, And, yeah, so I thought it was a promising episode two. Episode twos kind of tend to be terrible, right, Simon?
2: Almost universally.
0: Yeah, so this was a good episode two. Uh, Less less uh, fantastic is Parenthood this week, The Enchanting Mr. Knight, and it, it's not terrible or anything, it's just it's a very much a place setter or a place setting episode or a filler episode. They're kind of moving some of the pieces into alignment and other storylines they're wrapping up. It feels like we've sort of wrapped the Amber is hung up on Ryan area of the storyline. We've, you know, as long oh god, as long as they are not retreading Julia and Ed I will be Pretty much happy with this episode. I also don't think the whole Sarah chooses herself and her work over Carl thing works when you have Hank being the one delivering that message because he so clearly has an ulterior motive whether he wants to or not. So that's a problem for me. He, her her storyline, her choosing her work, still feels like her choosing Hank. And that's a problem. They need to continue to work on that. Um, uh, having Zachary Knighton on the show as what feels very much like a just a more realistic or a parenthood style version of Dave Ross from Happy Endings is just kind of hilarious to me so I look forward to what you guys think uh, of that and, and Simon when you get a chance to catch up with parenthood as well but to me it just feels like you know like he probably wears the same scarves uh, but he just you know is slightly less obsessed about his hair and so like there's there's a fun little meta commentary kind of uh, to that character for me uh, the whole school thing continues to not be of interest to me and I really was hoping that they would you know when, when uh, Christina expresses doubt I was like yes go with that doubt channel that doubt and then adam squashes the doubt and we're stuck with this storyline but uh, there's some uh, some fun crosby lines i like the return of kurt fuller the scene of adam and christina getting the official clear was really moving and well done uh but in general it was very much a filler episode that i've talked too long about let's move on to justified whistle past the graveyard and this is the the episode uh this is the time when i say simon you were right because I, he's pun, he's punching the air uh, for our listeners out there. Because everything with this Mexico storyline, it's just it's just been bad. And the and for me, the reason it's bad is I love these actors. I love these writers. I love this show. You can only do aha, but I knew all along. Maybe once you really can't do it twice and it feels like each episode with this Mexico storyline as fun, as really fun as that, uh, that, uh, was a Korean or Japanese, uh, character, you know, working with the... Yun, yeah. Yun, yeah. As fun as that character is, this whole storyline has got to go.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I, it's, it's not much of a spoiler, but I was, again, reading uh, Yo's talking about this and he said that next week we have... Uh, Boyd and Ava interacting, so I'm assuming that means he's back in the States and this is over, so we get that at least. There has to be better stuff coming, because this little section of the season is probably the weakest the show has been ever? (laughs) Maybe since, like, I don't know, I just can't think of another time the show's been less compelling and, like, the whole Amy Smart, sorry, the whole um, uh, Alicia Witt storyline is, like, she's not bad, None of the acting is bad, but the whole thing, Raylan's treatment of the situation is just so blase that, like, why do we care that this is happening? He clearly doesn't care. He gets strung along in this totally half-assed way. He doesn't even seem that upset when he finds out that's that he's been strung along. The whole thing is just kind of like one long shrug.
0: Well, and I think that may be part of the point. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we it feels like a bribe that we've seen him take because he now he got the guy he the guy asked hey would you say put in a word for me if i get you money and he does and we don't know if rhythm really put in a good word for him or not but i think the the treatment of that is not a coincidence so that is an in watching this you know this nonchalance he has towards a kid being kidnapped i don't think that is something we're not supposed to be registering. Mm
1: -hmm. The fact
0: that it's translating to, you know, these storylines that maybe are less than compelling. I think that's the reason, by the way, that Amy Smart breaks up with him, her character, because he needs to be persuaded to go save a a kid, and that's not who she wants to be dating. Um, So I have really enjoyed her storylines. I do, It sounds like I liked the Alicia Witt, and uh, I don't know the young actor's name, and son, Uh, but I do, I actually enjoyed that storyline. I like, you know, I keep waiting for us to, you know, for the kid to open up about, uh, I want to say Batiste, Jean Batiste. Yeah. Uh, So that's going to, that's going to come. But, so I like this more than you did, but, um, but no, everything with, uh, with Boyd and, uh, you know, I was so excited about the, the teaming up of the Crowders and, and the Crows. And it sounds like that is just headed, you know, for exactly where we were expecting at the start of the season. So that's, it's unfortunate.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it does have, this is a typical penultimate seasons. Are those ever the best seasons? Like almost never. Yeah. I can't think of I I can't think of any penultimate seasons that are the best seasons. Usually that's when you're sort of, you know, getting things in line for the end. And I'm sure they have a very good idea of what the end game looks like. But for now, and, and it, it's quite possible they've got great stuff in line for the end game of this season. Uh, but we're not seeing much evidence of that right now, which is a little bit dispiriting.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I do when I'm watching it, I'm still for the most part enjoying it, with the exception this week of of the reveal of the Boyd stuff. Um, but, but it's not enough for me. It, it, I get to the end of the week and I have to remind myself what happened on Justified, and that's that's unfortunate. That's not where I want to be with this show.
2: Yeah. Oh, and by the way, that scene of of we don't know how we got the car or got to the kid first, and we don't care. It was like, really? Yeah. You know, were really going to play it like that, Justified?
0: Come on. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the Americans and Cardinal, and uh, let's just start off with how many wigs out of five? Are we still at five out of five?
2: Um, Maybe four and a half out of five wigs, but it's, it's still... Four and a toupee. Okay. Four, yeah, four and a toupee. It's so nice to see... And it's just—it's such a harsh contrast with Justified, because I watched them more or less back to back, and that that show is just—it feels so haphazard right now, and this show is just humming along with such purpose and such polish, and everyone is just on their A game. Even this episode, where compared to the premiere, very little actually happens. It's mostly just a lot of talk and sort of pieces inching in various directions, albeit way more pieces than before. Uh, it's still just completely riveting.
0: Yeah, it's it's another really, really strong episode. Um, did you, I mean, obviously we know they're not going to kill one of our main characters, but I still thought that the scene, you know, where he's held up, where he's tied up and everything, I still thought that worked. Did it work for you? What was your, you know, that, that's the scene that I remember most specifically from this episode. What comes to mind for you?
2: Uh, well, I, I like the introduction of, uh oof someone uh, who I've gathered is a sandinista operative which uh there's uh there's a revolution you don't see referenced on TV a whole lot um or revolutionaries you don't see referenced on tv a whole lot uh as much as you know we we may not have thought we needed like another young ingenue spy um i it's it's another interesting addition uh I also like i i, I just like the, the methodical treatment of oh there's because so much of the episode is just is just centered around oh there's a walk-in at the residentura, and then just watching all these various players deal with that one scenario from so many different angles, and virtually nothing else was fantastic.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was. Uh... It was good stuff. I'm looking forward to. I enjoyed Martha this week, and there's more fun to come with that character that I look forward to discussing next week and maybe the week after. Uh, any final thoughts on the Americans, or shall we move on to the Good Wife?
2: Yes, let's do that.
0: The Good Wife started back up, of course, this Sunday. Parallel construction bitches, which is the uh, just the oh so entertaining episode title, uh, and we saw this. Of course, brought back the NSA. It brought uh, back that that lunch out of nowhere that seems so strange. That they dropped, they brought that back. Um, I still think, I don't know that. I, I'm waiting for there to be more with that because it feels very strange the way they're handling that right now. How are the continuing sagas of uh, Floric Agos and, uh, and all treating you this week?
2: I didn't have a problem with it this week, but I am concerned about the whole Carrie and Kalinda thing going forward. Ugh, uh, that's it was like,
0: fu- you can't hear it, but the biggest eye roll of the entire podcast right now.
2: (laughs) I actually thought it was kind of fun this week, just her utter misreading of the situation, Mm -hmm. uh, just because she just can't trust it. Like, that that was an interesting beat, but that was maybe the only interesting beat they can get out of that whole thing. I I mean, but luckily they are quite restrained in, like, this is the first time we've ever seen them really in, like, actually doing that. Usually it's just been implied or just, oh, this is happening while we're not looking. So... You know, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm. give them this one. Okay, but, but uh,
0: how—was she, she like—were they, like, tenting? Was there, like, a bed fort or something? Because it's, like, <laughs> these billowy uh, billowy sheets, and there's—I don't know where the light's coming from. And I just—that's what I was thinking about watching this, because I'm sorry. I, la- I really enjoy both of the actors. They have no sexual chemistry, at least that I'm seeing. <laughs> I like them so much better when they're talking to each other than when they're supposed to be in the middle of having sex or right after, yeah. or right before, whatever. But I, I, there was, there's no spark there for me, so I was instead thinking about where the lighting source was.
2: Yeah, uh, everything else, actually, virtually everything else in the episode was pretty much great. I thought uh, the whole cold open, take off on low winter sun thing was. Easily the only good thing that's going to come out of Low Winter Sun other than money in David Costabile's pockets. Uh so good. And especially the second scene with the I mean it it didn't actually serve to support the themes of the episode at all. It was just so obviously they watched somebody on the writing team actually saw Low Winter Sun and thought it was hilariously bad and thought it would be a funny joke, and it was.
0: Yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, and just straight up starting the episode that way previously, uh, I was like, "Wait, is, am I watching the right channel?" What's going? And then it, so it worked on me. I I guess I'm easy with that stuff. But no, I really did. You know, as much as I may complain, you managed to start on the one element of the episode that I really did not care for. I liked the rest of it quite a bit. And uh, watching how, uh, you know, how long it takes Alicia and company to figure out as much as they're able to of the NSA element i think is interesting i did miss uh, it's, it's um
2: zach woods zach
0: woods i did miss zach woods but i like the people they brought in for, for you know this time of course uh, i always remember the one actor from 30 rock so it was nice to see him and you know pop up as far as you know eli and and all of that and it was nice to see wally sean back and the whole Lamon bishop thing um the rest of the episode was just sort of fun and entertaining but i don't really have much to say about it other than obviously we still really like the good wife
2: Yes, I, w- I will say that I I was really wary of them reintroducing Lamont Bishop because it was another character that, like liked Dylan Baker, is like, okay, I feel like we've gotten quite a bit of mileage out of this already. But uh, I actually thought that plot line was quite entertaining throughout. And I also really liked the kids Googling Wallace Shawn's lawyer immediately <laughs> and just being like, oh, well, at least he didn't actually kill anyone.
0: <laughs> and followed by the quote, don't let him know your name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was pretty great. That's pretty great. Okay, let's move on to the True Detective finale, Form and Void. And I gotta say, once again, to you know, to quote you, basically, Simon, the the reaction to the True Detective finale has been highly entertaining to watch. Uh, I know that there are some listeners who are confused about what happened. There are some who who really liked it. There are some who were bored, or I don't know what they were expecting, but just didn't seem too happy with it. Where do you fall on True Detective this finale, but also this season?
2: I think for for the finale itself, given what we've seen, I thought it was pretty solid. I, I think that the the actual pursuit and you know arrest etc was riddled with cliches that I could have done without, like Rust following and not waiting for Marty to catch up with him for some stupid reason, or a guy getting shot right as he's about to hatchet Marty to death, et cetera. Just like, you know, it's happening. I, I figured actually it was going to be the other cops. It ended up being uh, Russ, which made even less sense. But anyway, um, you know, things like things like that did bug me. But I did. I just I really liked the pacing of the finale. I liked that we got a solid 15 minutes of denuma. Some of it was a little bit much but I, that's kind of what the series was like anyway. It felt totally in keeping. Um, Most
0: of it was a little much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I do like the idea, I, again, I'm not crazy about every aspect of the execution, but I like the idea of the series really being about uh, sort of this guy ultimately finding a vague sense of optimism amidst his nihilism. That's that's a good foundation whether or not that's what i felt like the show should have been about or what it felt like it was always about i don't know but it, there were definitely way worse ways to end
0: yeah and i'll agree with that uh I, I liked the little nod to the uh supernatural with of course uh rust seeing the the I, people were calling it stars to me it felt like it was a wormhole i don't know Portal of some sort. Uh, I like. I almost was tempted because everything else was so straightforward. I was almost kind of curious if they started seeing all everybody speculating so excited that it, maybe it was going to take this, you know, a turn towards strange or weird fiction and going, huh? Could we add any in there? Uh, I don't know how. You know, there's a line, of course, about him still seeing things in there. So obviously they. Yeah, that probably isn't what actually happened, but, uh, but, you know, it was nice that there's at least some element of that, um, and, yeah, the denouement was, was nice. Having, uh, Maggie show up and she's got the ring on, now, I, being, me, normally I'm the optimist, but I kind of feel like, my first thought seeing that was like, oh, she is remarried to somebody else, and I was like, wait, actually, I think I'm supposed to think that that's her wedding ring for the two of them. for for that couple and so she's putting she's put on the ring Marty gave her again and I don't know Uh, so that like all of that was just really convenient or really um I guess kind of rushed they don't feel like they earned especially given how prevalent Maggie was earlier on I really don't think they earned that moment at the end um but I do still think I was really impressed by the central performances in this episode more than many others. I think it was beautifully cinematic. I really enjoyed the way that that the you know somewhat predictable chase through the labyrinth or whatever was filmed. It looked really great, and um and you know if you're gonna do a pretty straightforward end to what has been in many ways a straightforward crime series, uh, then you know it's a good it, it's a damn good looking, you know conclusion in that sense so I know it could have been like you said it could have been a lot worse and I certainly you know I I didn't go into it with huge expectations I went into it with I feel like I know where this is going and some of it I did some of it I didn't but I feel like you know generally satisfied by it
2: yeah I think that's fair I mean I I think do I I think also it's just it's frustrating when a show gives you glimpses of greatness Mm -hmm. and then just ends up being good
0: yeah Uh, very good but
2: yeah, very good, and sometimes not that great. But um, I, I will say also, I complained on the last True Detective podcast about the lack of about the lack of actual police work. You know, mostly there was cat burglary and electroshock therapy which didn't really seem like detective stuff to me. So it was nice to actually get some detection in this last episode.
0: And specifically to have Marty be the one to make that connection, I think was important because otherwise the whole thing turns into Russ Cole's super cop.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, super cop cat burglar. Yes. uh, Extraordinaire.
0: Exactly. So I, I did particularly like that touch. I like that this notion of him having green ears she's a traumatized kid he may have just had like a fleck of green paint on one of his ears but that in her brain just like the scars turned into spaghetti a fleck of paint turned into green ears you know i like i like and the, the fact that they don't feel the need to explain that i also really appreciate it um we do actually see you know and i like the couple lines about how it, they've been working on this for a month you know we it's not like all of a sudden they put the pieces together and they know exactly what's going on it's been you know a month of them chasing down leads and finding tax reports and and all of that so there are elements mm-hmm. here that i do really appreciate and i think some other shows could could take a page from uh, but but for me when you put it up against hannibal i clearly prefer i think hannibal is just a much better show more interesting show as much as these are two great central performances
2: well i think the real comparison point is to something like top of the lake or mm-hmm. uh yeah. or you, know, you could also you know any of these sort of shorter run uh, crime series we've been getting the fall uh, to some degree rectify. Uh, and I think for those, it kind of lands somewhere middle of the road, uh, yeah. just just because the aesthetics and the performances are so great. But, you know, other aspects, obviously, still finding their feet. I mean, was, we also have to keep in mind, Nick Pizzolatto, to his credit, wrote this whole series in essentially two months, <laughs> So, which is insane. And uh, reading interviews with him has been really interesting because sometimes he just he seems so... Uh, he seems so methodical and, and well read and, uh, really in other times he seems slightly reactionary. Uh, I don't know if you read any of that.
0: No, I, I, not yet, but I'll, I'll have to check it out now.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I'll be very curious to see how much he alters things next year, which when uh, it hasn't been renewed yet, but it's so obviously going to be renewed, whatever form that happens to take next year. Uh, I'll be curious to see if it's vastly different or kind of similar in spirit.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to season 2 certainly with this experience of the reception of True Detective and the the criticism as well as as the praise. I look forward to seeing what comes next, what uh what tweaks are made in the approach, I guess when we have a, a whole new set of characters and everything for season 2. So, what wins your weekend drama?
2: I will give it I'm going to give it to the Americans again just cuz they're yeah, it's just it's so damn confident. <laughs> Yeah. It's it's got it's got swag. There's no other way to put it.
0: Yeah, definitely the Americans for me as well. So I mean, there were several episodes that I enjoyed here, but but I'm definitely giving it to the Americans. So that wraps up our week in TV. Our, sh- our free show notes before we go to our DVD shelf with Sarah D. Bunting from Previously TV and uh, and Tomato Nation. Our outro music is "Sweet Petite" by The Bicycles. You can find this post up at SoundOnSite.org, where you can uh, leave us a comment, let us know what you thought of the week's TV and uh, what you're looking forward to. What you thought of the various premieres, for example, and pilots and mid season returns. You can also like us on Facebook to follow the goings on at sound on site TV you can send us an email to televerse at gmail.com you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes be like Sean and leave us a, a, a rating or a review we have both an M4A chapter feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed and then of course we're both on Twitter I'm at the and you are
2: at sucker howell
0: and Simon what's our question of the week
2: I'm wondering given what we saw in Hannibal this week if anyone has a limit on their graphic content or if you just totally, you're just totally cool with everything. It's just totally carte blanche. It's the post-Spartacus, post-Hannibal, post-Walking Dead, post-Game of Thrones era. We can just deal with anything. No, and I'm just talking talking strictly violence. I'm not talking about you know real trigger warning stuff.
0: This this was at my threshold. I will I will say uh, Hannibal. It was difficult and and not enjoyable for me to watch. Uh, in, in a way that Hannibal usually is. They usually make, manage to make their violence graceful, but the fact that it was a living person experiencing this, as opposed to somebody having died, and then, you know, uh, that it was definitely at my threshold. What about you? Right.
2: So you were okay with the uh, leg, Osabuco?
0: Oh, yeah, that was fine.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit disturbed because I'm not sure I have a ceiling, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to see where, I mean, it, it was hard to watch, but I didn't avert my eyes. Okay. And actually, and actually, I had to show my my cinephile roommate just to be like, so this is what they're doing on TV these days.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let us know what you think. And for now, we will take a break, and we'll be back with Sarah Debunting of Previously TV and Tomato Nation to talk Felicity. Come with me. What?
2: Well, I was I was in bed last night alone, which is weird. Um, and I had this epiphany. Why don't you come with me to Berlin? i have my job with dr kessler well just for two weeks you know the the same amount of time you're supposed to drive with ben i'm a little ahead of myself I, i already ordered you a ticket oh my god no i know it's a huge deal you know taking a trip like this i mean on your own let alone with me but i thought this through and i'm telling you it's a genius move i can't go you can't go with me no why why yeah uh there are a million reasons why i'm I can think of no less than three reasons why.
1: Well, you know, I'd I'd like to
2: hear those reasons. Okay, uh, first of all, there is the Null Factor. Null Factor? What? You think he'd get jealous? No, no. He's far too mature for that. He he invited me to Berlin.
0: Berlin? Really? Wow.
2: Really? And secondly, there is the Julie Factor, which I've got to say is sort of killing me. Yeah, I know, I know, but what's the third we we both know what the third is tell me what's the third the moment the almost kiss don't pretend like you don't know what the third is okay okay okay
0: the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik joined as ever by Simon Howell and this week on the DVD shelf we are once again channeling my high school experience this time with Felicity and here to help us discuss this uh this I'm just, I'm just looking forward to Simon's thoughts on this but this this incredibly emotional and positive as far as I'm concerned series is Sarah Bunting, Sarah D. Bunting from uh, previously.tv and of course one of the co-creators uh, founders of Television Without Pity. Sarah welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, and thank you for providing yet another venue for me to bang on about Felicity, which I think I may have oversubscribed somewhat emotionally. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the airtime. Thank you.
0: Well, it's such a f- I mean, for me, I, I really do have a difficult time separating those those WB shows from when I watched them, which I, I think I was like thirteen or fourteen when Felicity started, which may have been the perfect age let's be honest, for, to watch Felicity somewhere in that range up through like, I don't know, 25, you know, just out of college, maybe it'd make you reminiscent of, uh, of your college experience, but it was appointment viewing for me for a while. And it was really great to get the opportunity to go back and revisit it and, uh, you know, have a nice little bit of confirmation that, no, it was actually a, a really good show.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty good show. It does hold up pretty well. I mean, some of the styles are pretty funny, like when everyone's wearing, do you remember those like plastic lacy looking chokers that everyone's <laughs> wearing for like a year? There's a lot of those. Yeah. There's uh, Julie Emmerich's detestable flock of butterfly clips, but I detest Julie Emmerich. We can get back to that. Uh, Some of it, like, visually has not held up very well. We have a screenshot somewhere on uh, previously of Noel wearing absolutely this gigantic sweater that makes him look like one of the little shrunken heads in Beetlejuice in the waiting room scene. Um, But, yeah, like, emotionally it's held up. The acting is pretty good. There are some dumb bits, and the fourth season I think they you know, wisely decided to get out of it at that point, but weren't exactly sure how to wrap it up. And I think we're reluctant to choose for Felicity between Ben and Noel. Uh, But I still rewatch it all the time. It's on Netflix streaming. It's on Hulu. I just love it still.
0: So Simon, uh, what what was your relationship with Felicity? Had you seen it before? And if not, I... I think I know what the answer to this is, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> what was your reaction to the show?
2: I had absolutely no relationship with it when it was actually on the air. I don't think I caught a microsecond of it at the time. Um, watching it now, uh, Televerse regulars may recall a few weeks ago we covered the West Wing, which um, ideologically, at least, and in several other ways, is just like, my anti-mirror. I just can't deal with it. Felicity is not quite as quite. It's it's certainly not philosophically opposed to it in the same way, but watching it, it's just within three minutes of the first episode. I just know this is not a show I am destined to enjoy. It's just, I am so I'm not, not only not the demo, like generally speaking, but I'm not the demo in more specific ways. I just know I'm never going to care about this love triangle thing which ends up powering 95% of Felicity's storylines. Um, I didn't end up being terribly involved in the other character storylines either, mostly because I was never that convinced the show cared that much about them either, which might be disputed here. Uh, again, I haven't seen the whole, the whole series. I, For full disclosure, I watched uh, premieres and finales, and then for each season, a couple of uh, what seemed to be key episodes in between. Uh, so I d- I did watch a fair amount, but uh, yeah, this was just never. It was never going to be my thing. And as as far as just to throw my hat in the ring, as far as the Noel or Ben thing goes, they're both bad choices for very different reasons. Uh, so neither, I think, should be a more popular answer.
1: But I guess that we'll get would there. be my answer, in fact. But I'm oh yes, high five. Team, uh, but I'm interested to hear. I was Team Noel back when it aired uh and i'm old so <laughs> that i was in my 20s when it when it came on and i was team noel then i think because i could relate to having these like amorphous with the bends of college and i found him very frustrating and um glib uh rewatching it now I find Noel more detestable for other reasons. But first, we should find out uh, what team Kate is on or if she is also declining to play as Simon and I are.
0: <laughs> well, what I thought was really interesting is when I was watching the, the series, I was I was just so aware that at the end of the season one finale, it was obvious the correct choice was Noel. It, you go spend the weekend, uh, two weeks in Berlin or a road trip across America with... with uh with, with Ben. Clearly the correct choice was Noel. And then it was really fun to rewatch the the and it just in general the series, I was Team Noel. And then to watch it now, I was very impressed with the way that the show uh was so clearly the show was cl- pro Ben and I don't know why mm-hmm. I didn't realize that when I was I mean, I'd like to plead high school uh for, for not realizing it and not having seen that much T V at that point. But uh clearly At that point in her life, Ben was the right choice for Felicity, and it seems obvious now. As for who is a a good, stable, long-term partner for her, obviously neither. But uh, between these two, I think I I was just identifying who would I choose, and I would have chosen Noel. If I were in that situation, but for Felicity, I think Ben was the correct choice. And having that different perspective, being able to separate myself out from the character, you know, seeing her as a character as opposed to an audience surrogate, uh, that really affected my read of the situation.
1: I think my take on it was that I couldn't really relate to ha- having access to the Ben. Like in Felicity's shoes, the Ben would have like been friends with me, we would have shot pool together but he wouldn't have ever sort of come around to being interested in me romantically. So I think I had maybe a little more invested in the idea of uh, Ben is a bad choice and Noel is a better choice. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they're 20. Mm -hmm. so how how much can you really how much can you really invest in them period but that's sort of the beauty of the show is that it really did hit certain emotional truths about being a um, study bug young lady in college and having certain grandiose ideas about your future and how everything is destiny and seems super important and this is baked into the narration at least in the first season Uh, so that's one of the things that I've always liked about the show also
2: Well, I I think for me, the the reason I I knew the show wasn't going to work for me is that it pays a lot of lip service to, I mean, the whole premise of she follows this guy across the country and the show acknowledges that this is insane to its credit. Uh, It it acknowledges it a lot. I'm not sure if it acknowledges it enough, though. Um, It probably should have had her in a in a uh, in a straight jacket for half a season. I that would have made me that would have been better.
1: Uh, but that, that's actually end up happening in the fourth season. I'm not recommending that you power through the episodes you didn't watch, but she does end up in the bin. <laughs> for oh, does she? Seasons. But still, oh, well, yeah. well, because then... she's time traveling and no one will believe her, obviously, Simon.
2: <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I, okay. I I skipped that part of the time travel thing. We'll get there. But uh, she, she should have been institutionalized from the beginning. And then she should have spent a year in an institution and then started college. But anyway, um. Since that didn't happen, there's a lot of lip service paid to, well, this is why I did it, but it's not why I'm here now. And there's a lot of talk of this, the Ben thing, isn't why this is happening ultimately. But the show does spend a ton of energy on the relationship stuff while pretending it's not the be-all and end-all. Especially, and in, in when you get to the series finale, which is... The way that they do that is neat in terms of being able to do a clip show for a reason that makes sense, and it's not totally a clip show. I I appreciate that it formally on some levels, but I just mm-hmm. feel like it wants to have its cake and eat it too constantly.
1: Huh. Okay. I actually think that it's relatively... I mean... It wasn't a transition show in that the characters didn't start out. I mean, technically they did. It was their last day of high school, and then they transitioned into college. But I think it may be the only self-contained college show that was four seasons. And at least in the beginning, they were fairly faithful to, A, the fact that especially pre-med students do a lot of studying, and B, that they did sort of, not that New York was a character but they did sort of try to make it like actual college life uh, that increasingly went off the rails. And it seemed like all they ever did was talk about their relationships with each other and or track down professors who were eating dinner in restaurants in order to beg for another chance to pass whatever class. Like uh, sometimes you turn on a random episode and you're like, well, once again, someone's about to fail X, but this could be at any point in the timeline. I have no idea like, which version of this plot we're watching. Unless the professor is Jane Lynch, then you're like, oh, okay, now Mm -hmm. I know where we are.
2: I I would say the most repetitive plot point that I noticed would be character X wants to do something that character Y won't like, then uh, character X decides not to do it for that reason, and then character Y talks them back into doing the original thing because now they're okay with it. Yeah, that's... that that mm-hmm. seems to be that seems to happen in every other episode. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, what I think is uh, interesting about that, and and I I also have to comment with the college thing. It is so refreshing. It's sad how refreshing it is to me that they actually do go to class and we see them in class and we see them studying for class. I literally cannot think of another. Show that usually they start in high school and then transition to college, like you said, Sarah. But I can't think of another show that actually seems to care if their characters are studying when they're supposed to be, you know, you know, very intellectual studying type people. So I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, but that's one of the things that, as frustrating as it can be, I'm sure it was for you, Simon. And as much as I think this actually makes Felicity for me a show that's difficult to marathon because it for it does get repetitive, that feels so accurate to college though it to that college ridiculous like high school kind of style relationship circle that so many people find themselves in. I determined when I was in uh when I was in college and of course being me uh, in all of my awesome nerd clubs. When when I I one time wrote down the love triangle shenaniganry of the Dungeons and Dragons Club, and it was more convoluted than anything I had ever seen on a soap opera, and I determined I can't judge (laughs) things a show like Felicity because that does actually happen. And so I think that that there's an element of truth in there that I really connect to when I rewatch some of these episodes.
2: Can, Can I ask you, though, within your Dungeons and Dragons circle, You may have had a diagram, but did you guys all talk amongst each other about these shenanigans, or did you keep it to yourself?
0: Oh, no, there were a few of us who did. Every now and again, it would be like, can you believe that this and that and then this and that? And then, yeah. Yeah, somewhat. Okay, fair (laughs) enough.
2: Because it seems to be a constant conversation on this. That's that's the thing. There's two things that strain credibility for me. One is that everybody's five years too old, uh, which is hugely distracting for me when the show starts, but I'll get to why later. And the other thing is that everyone seems to care about what happens in Felicity's life. And every once in a while, you will get Megan being like, I wish you'd shut up, which makes her the best character. Um, right. And unfortunately, that... I'm
1: glad that we share that, at least, with this show. Thank you.
2: They they soften her, unfortunately, which I was really disappointed by, but thankfully not entirely. Anyway. Uh, but just the, the fact that everyone besides her is just seemingly so interested in what happens whereas in real life when you complain about the same like Sally I'm amazed she does not fly down to New York in mid season one and just slap Felicity in the face for sending her all these tapes
0: (laughs) I can't argue with that
1: (laughs) yeah you can hear that in Garofalo's performance too that she's like you know my fiance was killed but I guess I'll send you some wisdom on this cassette tape Although uh, I think one of my favorite moments in the series, in the sense that it's uh, horrible and almost unwatchable, like I have to face away from the screen, is when the tape gets accidentally mixed into the party tapes. Mm. She's talking about how she thinks she's ready to have sex with Ben. Ben, meanwhile, totally not dating her, not interested. <laughs> The DJ puts it on the stereo and there's this like slow motion and the use of the soundtrack is really good where like it's the longest walk across the common room in total silence. Everyone's staring at her while she asks for the tape back and little moments like that I thought were as soapy as it could be and repetitive. I thought that was true to life and they did get to a lot of emotional uh beats that felt as melodramatic as college could be that was true to me
0: well and as melodramatic as college and for some people high school either or or both can feel too and that's again that's where i i think that it ties in with for me a show i was also watching at the same time which was buffy where buffy is so crazily heightened but that can feel accurate to the experience that some people have in high school and this is also Every like you're saying, uh, Simon. Everybody cares about who she's gonna like. Everybody, I feel like everybody has a box of popcorn or a bag of popcorn and is just like watching this as a show. They're watching the documentary, as it were, uh, and they care way too much about it. Um, but but that that is how it can feel. So that's sort of where I connect in with it.
2: Right. Whereas I think for me, watching these 23 year olds pretend to be 18 year olds. Uh, who behave like they're in high school but they're in college? Uh, that's there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on in in both directions, and I think it's also a personal thing because this just so does not relate to my college experience at all.
0: Yeah, I think I think this is definitely a specific kind of show. If you watch that the pilot, you're gonna get a sense of what it's like, and if it's not for you, just just run if you if you don't invest in you know the the various character relationships it's not a show for you you mentioned the actors being five years too old I I will say yes Amy Jo Johnson being cast as fresh out of uh, out of high school I, even maybe it's just even the way they costumed her I didn't believe it uh, Scott Speedman I didn't believe it Carrie Russell she just looks so young <laughs> I absolutely a hundred percent buy her. As a college freshman. I don't
1: there is a n- that they look too old. That's funny that you bring that up. I mean, I'm sure they do, but, like, I sort of began my TV print career with all these other WB shows where everybody was 27, and I just didn't notice. And, like, on 90210, when, you know, some of them were, like, 37. So this was like, well, okay, at least they this have is a better. St- yep. Like, grading on a steep curve, I realize, but. Well, the the other problem is I
2: don't think it's necessarily that Russell looks too uh, old. she does the dough in the headlights thing very well. But I think it's the problem that I've been watching season one of the Americans with my parents and of course watching the new season. And that was really like since I never watched this show, that was really my first long time exposure to her period. And now I just I have a really hard time accepting her as a stupid person
0: an emotionally huh. stupid person at the least. Well, and that's so funny for me because of course that was the one element of this show because there's always those shows that you watch when you're younger that you remember being really great or really uh, having these really wonderful either performances or CGI or, uh, or, or or camera shots and things. And then there's always you know that little bit of fear that maybe you're going to rewatch it and it actually wasn't that good and you were a stupid kid. There were elements about Felicity that I was worried about Carrie Russell's performance was not one of them. That was not one of those ones where I was like, I wonder if it actually was as good as I remembered. I knew it was gonna be incredibly good. I think she's great in Felicity. The notion of of you knowing her from The Americans and then having to go back to Felicity is hilarious to me because of course I knew her as Felicity and I knew she was a really amazing actress uh, going into when I was watching The Americans season one to start with. So it's sort of a reverse and yeah, you know, I think part of my excitement for the Americans was because of her performance in Felicity and Waitress and other, you know, her other work over the years. Uh, and so to, to, to see here that you're, you aren't able to go back to her being such an emotional idiot at times is is interesting. Uh, Sarah, how does the Americans uh, affect your your look at Felicity and vice versa?
1: I actually quit the Americans for non-credible writing. Uh, what? On... Yeah, well... <laughs> Sorry, like that scene where she's like, well, let's pierce your ears in the middle of the night. I'm like, I don't buy this or anything else about this show, but that's a completely different podcast. (laughs) As as far as Carrie Russell and her acting, that wasn't a concern, although it's interesting, the sort of evolution of her hair, which was always such a big story surrounding this show. And, uh, we used to joke about it on television without pity during the last season that in the fourth season, she had like the lank straightened hair of sadness and that appears to be her permanent hair now. Uh, so that was a little strange that she has like the little side braid and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like season four when she wore all those rugby shirts and made out with that architecture guy. I'm not sure I like that, but she's an excellent actress and, um, So that wasn't a concern. I just, the Americans, I was like, I don't like these people, and I don't care, and I'm quitting. But I didn't like David either, so I'm fired.
0: Well, I, and what's, when you talk about the hair. The thing that I think is so hilarious. I like I didn't care at all, and I was sort of astounded when everybody. Can you imagine what would have happened if Twitter were around when everybody lost their shit about her hair?
1: Yeah, no one get. They're like the ratings went down. I said, well, that's there Season are a lot of
0: ratings. two.
1: <laughs> for that. I'm sure. I don't. I don't think anyone actually cared. I just think it was one of those correlation is not causation things. And Probably, she looked I think, short I think people too. Did so. care though?
0: It didn't stop people from watching, but there was a lot. I mean, and maybe it was just where I was hanging out um, online or the articles I was reading. It just people seemed to be in. a, Maybe there was like two people who wrote all of the think pieces about it at the time.
1: Well, if it happened today, there would be no element of surprise. We would know about it way in advance. But I think it also would be this Firestorm story that, like, it would spawn three memes and then be over in 36 hours, which is probably about what it merited at the time. So, Well,
2: I I, I can't – okay, I'm going to make a guess, and if I'm being terribly offensive, I hope you'll both call me on it. But I, I'm assuming that the target demo for the show is mostly – uh, women girls between 13 and 25 uh is does that seem accurate
1: that seems um, WB. so yeah
2: that's yeah, okay wb and here's the next possibly sexist assumption um most of the people that i knew who were like when i was friends with girls that age when i was that age because i'm not creepy um whenever they got a, a really drastic haircut it would just be there. There would just be two weeks of them being totally unsure about it before ultimately being okay with it. At least that was all the girls I knew. So I'm wondering if it wasn't like some sort of like people had had grown this intense attachment to her very distinct hairstyle, and that just brought up all all kinds of insecurities in these viewers. Hence the reaction. Because I can't think of another TV show with a female lead that that ever attempted something like that. I mean, am I totally off base here?
0: Well, I think it's also the element of you know, she's bashful and hiding behind her hair. You know, and this notion of of cutting it all off. And I I think there's a subset of the viewership who watched and suddenly hadn't noticed that she's gorgeous uh, and has ridiculous cheekbones and stuff. And so when she wasn't going, you know, having the mousy, insecure kind of thing about, you know, about her hair when she couldn't hide behind her hair in the same way, I think people you know, didn't relate to her the same way. That could be completely ridiculous, though. Sarah, what do you think?
1: She also started dressing differently in season two. Like, when you look at the felicity of season one, she kind of recedes, which, and it wasn't entirely a natural evolution on the part of the writing and the character. It was sort of like, we need to start putting her in more revealing clothes. We need to, like, hip up her image a little bit. And I do think just generally on TV, you don't have a ton of female leads whose hair is short because, I mean, every network, at least, female lead has long hair mm-hmm. with the rolled, you know, with the curls. Um, it's some kind of I think that people just assume that that's the model of femininity that the public wants to see. Um, that's fine. I can't imagine it causing as big of a brouhaha today as it did back then. Um, But it was, they did manage to sort of work it in as part of her personal evolution. But I think there was this undertone of like, well, we don't want anyone to think she's, you know, Lebanese. Like, okay, mm. well, grow up America, but I think this is a concern that some network execs feel is legitimate. You would think the WB would have been maybe a little more um, liberal, I guess, or like not in the political sense, but in the, you know, we don't really have a standards of (laughs) practices sense that might've wanted to explore that. But I, you know, I think they just worked it into the story. Like, All right, let's have her break it off with Ben for the second of 88 times so that we can justify this haircut and then we'll write around it. And they did. Well, and I don't
2: think there are any characters now that really that could like when you say that people wouldn't wouldn't care if a character did the haircut thing. Now, I'm I'm trying to think, is there are there any characters that have the same sort of central position that would be in a place for anyone to care about it? And I just can't think of any vampire
0: diaries yeah Yeah, that was
2: one but no one but a people don't care enough and b there's two of them anyway
0: (laughs) yeah also just everybody loves connie Britton's hair because it's amazing there i'm pretty sure there's a couple twitter accounts just about her hair uh so if if if, you know if she got her hair cut i think there's a subset of the people at least that i follow on twitter who would freak out but i can't i really can't think of any characters no I think we're talking too much about Felicity's hair when we could be talking about uh, characters that we like, or perhaps more entertainingly why Noel is actually kind of terrible as much as I love Scott Foley. Uh, And I know you have some thoughts, Sarah, on a couple, on at least one other character. Uh, Would you like to to kick things off?
1: Sure. Um, Noel, he wasn't the worst. Um, That's Julie, but Watching it again as sort of a a grown person, he really was, like, judgmental and controlling, and then at the same time would be, like, really a a weirdo, and, like, his walking tour of Bleecker Street that he took Amy Smart on. I don't remember that character's name. Ruby, that's it. I actually really liked her in that role. Uh, But, yeah, he just, at the time, it sort of seems like he's this safe, warm, cute, supportive guy who's not a bad boy and he's a perfect choice for Felicity but he's actually kind of a pill and you know very self-serious and in in retrospect like that's why he would be a bad choice in my opinion that he's just a little bit full of himself.
0: Well, the thing for me with Noel is that I feel like he's the just one in a long tradition on TV of the romantically passed over good guy or nice guy who actually isn't necessarily all that nice. They're just passive. Uh, and uh. so it, it's like the oh, they always go for that the other guy. They never pick me. Why, why don't the girls like me? Kind of a thing. It, except that you realize that they, they just they they tend to be judgmental they tend to be a very um, you find this character quite frequently on Sorkin shows for example they tend to mansplain they tend to uh, to, to have a lot of uh, self pitying and and when they get the uh, I just want to be your friend or we're such great friends or you're such a good guy but it tends to actually be no there's a specific reason she's not going out with you character on TV that I'm supposed to feel sorry for but she's trying to be nice and not tell you what it is for example that you're condescending noel even though you're adorable and uh Scott Foley has all of the charisma uh and so I, so for me he just sort of fits into that type whereas a, when a kid watching the show i didn't notice that as an adult watching the show i go maybe better writing i don't know okay. simon
2: well i feel the need to defend him a little bit now uh, not that <laughs> i really have a horse in this race but i just like to be contrarian easy condes i mean again i haven't seen the whole show Is he condescending at times? Sure. But we also need to keep in mind that she does come to him for advice a whole lot. Yeah, she's also terrible about that. (laughs) uh, So, you know, we can't totally blame him for the condescension aspect because she's basically putting herself in a position to be condescended towards.
1: Yeah, he's the resident advisor, so that dynamic is there, but... At some point, he needs to be like, if you're going to be, you know, half naked in my room setting my Christmas tree on fire, maybe you need to go to someone else with your problems with Ben, because I don't want to hear it. And he does say that a few times. It just never sticks. Felicity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, the
2: real reason that that it's a bad match is because she's just clearly not consistently attracted to him. I mean, if... and if that's like she only, it only seems to happen when she's in like these extremes of her life. And if that's gonna be the case, it's just not gonna work. It has nothing to do with him necessarily. It's just you know, if it's not there, it's not there. So I don't know why we're spending half of a series on it.
1: That's true. It's that or Oken. <laughs> Sometimes I would rather see Oken.
0: Um the and the reason by the way I'm not mentioning why Ben is terrible is that I mean
2: it's obvious gambling
0: addiction alcohol potential addiction uh, getting into fights i mean his his yeah, detractors brain. yeah very obvious uh and and i will say that again watching this this series now it was so obvious to me what great chemistry Carrie Russell and Scott Speedman have together, and I didn't, I wasn't noticing that earlier when I was watching it. So I actually think the the cast is, you know, th- that element of the show does really work for me as a fan of romantic comedies. I'm getting the butterflies when you're supposed to be getting the butterflies, and that isn't always the case on shows built around love triangle. So at least I, w- I will give them that. Sarah, what? Why this uh, distaste for Julie?
1: Um, she's just a bitch. <laughs> like the whole, uh, the whole uh, episode where they're stuck underground, and she's, you know, she and Felicity are stuck in the same subway car because that happens all the time, and uh, that's when they confront their like loathing for each other because Julie feels that Felicity stole Ben when actually Julie kind of stole Ben the previous season. There's, I mean, she's a terrible singer. She painted her guitar. Don't do that. Yeah, uh, never do that.
0: <laughs> never, ever, ever do that.
1: Yeah, that's... Ugh. And then it's all like breathy, yes and just really annoying. And then when she finally leaves the show, like, it's great that the character leaves the show, but she does oh. it with this, like, um, she's a C to everybody on her way out, and like, bitches at Elena for giving her attitude and all this stuff, and made herself as maximally unlikable as possible. Like, even in an episode when you're really supposed to be rooting for her, like, they have to sit in at the health center to get the morning after pill, and she's, like, you know, manning the barricades or whatever the expression is, and you're you're supposed to be behind her. Like, this person is a survivor of sexual assault, and she's doing the difficult thing to get what they need, and she still just manages to be such a wet end, and I just can't the actress is not she just kind of didn't fit for me and also she's mean to sean sean has no real reason to be on the show and in fact it's a bit creepy that he knows all of them and you know winds up married to one of them like it's it's a little weird doesn't totally line up for me in terms of the experience of college in the city which whatever i went to college in the suburbs but my brother was at Quote, UNY, unquote, at exactly the same time. They showed Felicity running up the steps of his dorm (laughs) a couple times, actually. And it's like this, like, this isn't a dynamic that I think is necessarily real, but that portrayal by Greg Grunberg is consistently one of my favorite things about the show, like all his crazy inventions and the smoothies and I like him and Megan together, even though the conflict with them felt really manufactured a lot of the time. So
0: yeah, I really enjoy Sean and uh, Greg Grunberg uh, has a big place in my heart actually still from both this and then of course agent he was it, he was Agent Sean for me for like at least three years on Alias as opposed to oh, yeah you know I can't even remember what the character name actually is uh on on alias so i did enjoy that character too uh but yeah the 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 cast highlights aside from you know the central figure definitely greg rumberg definitely amanda foreman as as megan i do love them together one of the first images i go to for this series is actually the one of sean and assless chaps
1: oh yeah <laughs> and that's one of my favorite scott foley moments is him giggling helplessly at sean's naked butt marching away
0: yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, we we are actually past our time already. We can't finish our discussion of Felicity without talking about a couple different episodes. I, I have to mention that this is a very pretty cast. They all somehow look even more amazing and beautiful, and they pop on screen even more in that fantastic Twilight Zone episode that they did in the middle of season two. Um, and then also time travel. There's, there's randomly time travel. I love it. <laughs> what did you guys think about the time travel?
2: Uh, I do wish that more shows. That, I, I assume they knew they were ending at that point. Because uh, otherwise, why would you do that?
0: They, they got picked up for five episodes out of the blue and had, had just finished tying all the loose ends together. So that's why they did right. it.
2: Okay. I, 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 it felt like that. Um, I wish that more shows that knew they were ending would do crazy and stupid shit like that. And. I'm not saying it wasn't admirable in in some ways, but it was fundamentally quite silly, obviously, in a very obvious way.
1: Yeah, I think it was aware that it was silly. I mean, when it first started, I was like, oh, my God, like they're never going to be able to come back from this. But I think they were self-aware enough about it, and I think they, which you see this not done with time travel arcs more often than you see it done. I do think the writers sat down and were like, we have to nail this. The writers sat down at some point and made sure that uh, the Prime Directive wouldn't be violated or wouldn't be violated in any real way, uh, which I appreciated the effort that they sort of tried to bulletproof it before before they put it on the air and tried to make it as unlikely as possible that internet nerds like myself would be like, well, but what about this when he ran into such and so?
0: Well, and I like the, the amount of thought that goes into how the world shifts. I like that it isn't just a few tweaks here and there. I like that there is a drastic shift in their experience. And and I like that it does, the show does pretty much straight up answer, even, regardless of what you think about it. It straight ups answers. Uh, Noel and Ben because it has her with both and you see what, you know, an experienced TV viewer would have seen back in season one that clearly she was always going to pick Ben. It becomes pretty clear that uh, they lock it down and, you know, I enjoy that and, and rather than undoing everything they had just finished tying together and then manufacturing another tidy ending five episodes later, I like that they just took this crazy approach instead. And um, yeah, so I, I I agree with both of what you guys uh, were saying. And then it occurred to me the the last thought I have about Felicity, other than it occurs to me, I have spent most of this podcast being negative about a show I have so many warm fuzzies for, um, which is a bit strange. I, I will end on this praise. I I love and hate uh, the two part, uh, basically date rape. Arc or story that that we get in season one, I love it because it is so horrible and and uh, and honest and unflinching about about the fact that Brian from my so-called life, you could seem like it's he's Brian from my so-called life, but he could also be a rapist, and yeah. uh, and, and and you know the nice funny guy who you've spent the past four episodes liking guess what, he was always intended to to be this on the show. It's, it's such fantastic casting for those TV fans like us who might notice that. And, uh, and also just the, the handling of that arc, that's such a de- delicate thing. And I feel like, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like this is one of the first shows to really address a situation like, you know, like date rape on college campuses and to really look at it. So I, I have to give them credit for not just dealing with the issue, but doing it so well and so intelligently.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: Uh, The casting is smart. The way that he, that the character kind of just realizes what he's done and then leaves, I'm not sure if that's ever happened at least that quickly. Uh, Maybe it has, and I've just never heard of anything like that happening, but it just seems like the the move from denial to some kind of tacit, like actually quite explicit, except, you know, admission of what he's done. I'm not sure that's ever happened or at least it's so statistically an anomaly, but I do, I do, I agree with you about the casting and uh, most aspects of the execution.
0: Do you guys have any final thoughts on on Felicity? Well, I would say uh,
1: Simon's reaction is not uncommon. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. But if you've never watched it, I would give it a chance. I would watch some key episodes and see if, it's something you enjoy because I think it's a worthwhile pleasure, even all these years later. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of little pockets of gold in there still that, that I enjoy one of the great realistic, uh, fist fight scenes as well between Ben and Noel, of course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not great. HBO art, but, it's a solid show, and I encourage everyone to give it a try if they haven't already. But if you don't like it, stop trying it.
2: Actually, my actual last comment is that, uh, you know, we're a few hours away from the True Detective finale right now. And we've been saying for weeks, wouldn't it be amazing if it went supernatural at the end, which is very clear now is not going to happen. Uh, and I've just realized that Felicity had the balls to do what True Detective does not, yeah. which, is, which is actually kind
1: of impressive. Yeah, cut it, print it. <laughs> what else is there to say.
0: Yeah, Felicity captures that WB feeling more than I think any other show, even more than Buffy, more than Angel, and uh, what what it, what a WB show was, and what that's something that I know there's a subset of us TV fans out there we love that the feeling of that show, along with a, a handful of actors that you've seen popping up all over the place on your TV that uh, you probably enjoy. So uh, if you're curious about J.J. Abrams, who we still have somehow hadn't mentioned at this point, if you're curious about, uh, you know, a number of, you know, what what the WB was for a while and uh, the CW probably never will be in the same way, check out Felicity because uh, it's, it's an under... It's an under-discussed show or under-remembered show, I think. If you weren't my age, <laughs> so between my age and Sarah's age when it was on, I uh, it really feels like it's starting to be lost, and I think that's a shame. So, thank you for coming on and, and prompting me to, to you know revisit this series, Sarah.
1: Well, thank you for having me again, and Simon, I apologize for forcing you to interact with this. Not for you fest. <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: always up for new stimuli.
0: <laughs> Sarah, where can our listeners find your work online?
1: Uh, you can find me at previously.tv and also at my blog, Tomato Nation. That's tomato like fruit, nation like a country.
0: And thank you again, Sarah, so much for, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The television. <laughs>